Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise, and we are so looking forward tonight to our grand healing time. Now, you might want to have somebody stop by one of the four campuses. We have communion emblems. They're free. Pick them up and take them home to the family. If you're not able to do that, some grape juice and some unsalted crackers, okay? We need to stick with the symbolism. It needs to be from the grape and needs to be uh, unleavened bread. So stick with the symbolism that's trying to be taught because that's part of the teaching tonight, to be honest. And you don't want to sit there and here's the symbolism and you're chuckling going, I got mango juice and I got an ensamada, okay? This is not merienda. This is communion. And let's keep it sacred. All right. Psalms chapter 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. The two greatest prayer requests I'm receiving today, and by far magnitude. Number one, believe it or not, is finances. And number two is healing. Now tonight in the healing communion service, we're going to really spend time praying for the sick. So we, we want to encourage you. Be part of this. Have some oil. Just olive oil would just be fine. Have a little oil ready in your house. We're going to anoint ourselves with oil, and we're going to pray. And we're going to do this live, okay? This will be live coming out of the main auditorium. Okay, yeah, we can get all the materials together and the singers together that we need to have to make all of this happen. But what I want to pray for right now is finances. Now, again, some of you, you've coasted through this whole thing, and it's been a, an inconvenience. Yes, I grant you a major catastrophic inconvenience, but it's an inconvenience. But for others of you, this has been, this has been really hard. Now, it seems that small businesses and people who are no work, no pay 
have gotten hit the hardest. The jeepney drivers, the teachers, uh, the restaurant workers, the hospitality workers in the hotels and things. These people have gotten hit really hard, and that's a lot of our members. So I want us all to agree in prayer together for God to bring blessings and prosperity to their families. These are people who have been givers. And if you're listening to me right now, and you're going through a hard time, I want you to remember all the seed that you have sown. The angel said, Cornelius, your gifts have come up as a memorial before God. A memorial. Please understand, God never forgets the seed that you have sown. Father, I bring to you your sons and daughters today. I bring to you the sowers. These have been challenging times for our faith, Lord. But Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would turn the situation around. That, Father, that you would bring employment back to those without jobs. That you'd bring opportunities and creativity to, to sell and to do other things. And, Father, even let the income be more than they ever made before. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that things that they've been trying to sell for years, that they would sell and all debts be paid and all the pressure of Morelco and all the pressure of their rents and their mortgages and their car payments, everything be covered, Father. Father, let there be an abundance left over for every good work. Let every need be met, Father, we pray. Father, I pray for especially for the single moms. My goodness, work from home. The kids are at home trying to feed the kids and take care of the kids. Lord, the pressure is so heavy on them. Lord, I ask for special grace and special favor upon all the single moms today and all the single dads today. Father, it takes two to raise a family, and they're trying to do it by themselves. But Lord, I ask for your grace to flow to them. Give them physical strength. Give them patience. Bless the work of their hands with extra blessings, Father, that they can bring even more in with less effort, Father, because they're already so worn out. And Father, I pray for those like the widow of Zarephath. You've given them a little tiny thing to do, a little seed to sow every day. And Father, you're providing for them every single day. Let that faithfulness continue. Let them see miracles that don't just flow from your faithfulness, but flow from a partnership of our faithfulness and your faithfulness. Let them see that little seed bring provision every single day for their families. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
In just a few minutes, Sister Bev will be with us in the book of Isaiah, and really she takes almost the entire month of September to do that. And it's just a joy to have, she just loves the book of Isaiah, and I'm so happy to see her doing this. But I'm going to do Galatians 4 with you this morning, beginning with verse 21. Paul said, tell me, you who want to live under the law. He said, all right. He said, you, you've heard the false message of the Judaizers. He said, and now you want to live under the law. Do you know what the law actually says? <laughs> you, you just, you know, you've got to understand, Paul is a guy that has been raised his entire life studying the law. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He knows what it says. He said, you want to do something. Do you even know what you're talking about? <laughs> uh, I looked at some, I sometimes look at people and I, and I understand Paul's heart. Do you know? Do you have any comprehension of what you're wanting to do? The scripture says that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Okay, that's Ishmael and Isaac. The son of the slave wife was born in a human effort. And yesterday and today, because I think it's a little clear, I'm reading you the NLT, was born in a human effort to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn's wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. All right, so there's two ways to the promises. Oh, beloved, I wish you can get a hold of this. This is where I see so many Christians make mistakes. They want to use human effort to bring about God's promise. Human effort. You think because God promised something, therefore I'm going to do it. Think with me. Maybe the greatest illustration in scripture, Moses. God made him a promise. You're going to deliver my people Israel. But he tried to do it in his human effort. And his human effort meant 40 years with smelly sheep. I call it SS. Some people say that's super spiritual. I say smelly sheep on the backside of a mountain. You know, for 40 years, he could have had a good life. For 40 years, he could have gotten to know the people of Israel better. He could have developed relationships with their leaders. For 40 years, life could have been so different. But he tried to bring it out by human effort. Every time you try to do something with human effort, you, you spend time on the backside of a mountain by yourself with smelly sheep. I teach young pastors this. I say, you know, there's a time for you to act. And there's a time for you not to act. And when you, you try to move ahead of God and try to do something in your own human effort. You know, I don't doubt that God spoke to you, but I doubt your methodology. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Haggai, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law and enslaved, that enslaved them. Now, Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the law. 
But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman. She is our mother. As Isaiah says, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break forth into joyful song, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. <laughs> Paul knew what the law said. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of promise, just like Isaac. Say that with me. I'm a child of promise. You need to get a hold of that. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael. The child born by human effort persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. So, human effort projects persecute Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit projects. You know, you watch that all through history. Ah, I can get going on that forever. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the, for the son of the slave woman will not share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. So then, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, we are children of the free woman. For Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in again in slavery to the law. He said, now listen, these guys are trying to get you to leave salvation by faith and go back to salvation by works under the law. He said, y you make sure. He said, you have, to, you have to make, this is a decision, okay? This is a decision you need to make. See, folks, God doesn't do it all. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, the Bible says. You've got decisions that you have to make. When you get born again, you, you can make a decision to go back into salvation by works. He said, don't, don't get tied up in that. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit for you. Now, notice motives. Now, I've had guys in the church walk up to me and say, Pastor, I'm circumcised. Is it wrong? No, you were circumcised as a young man because it was a health situation. You didn't do it as a religious thing to make you right with God. You did it as a health thing. Most babies in most nations, they, they circumcise when they're, you know, still in the hospital before they ever come home from the hospital. Here in the Philippines, we tend to do it more when a young man is, you know, high school age, all right? And he gets a few friends and that summer is his... his <laughs> This summer of pain for a few weeks, all right? But we're, we're not doing it for the motive of, of being right with God. It's, it's a health issue. He said, now, if you do it to be right with God, he said, the, Jesus has no benefit for you. Now, that's, that's a scary thought. Okay, that's a scary thought. I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God, okay, here's motive again. By being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. All those first five books. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. So a person can fall away. 
from grace. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. He said, if you, these are believers, if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You cut yourself off from Christ by your attitudes. You, believers, have fallen away from grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness of God promised to us. <laughs> we eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness of God. Ah, I could preach about that for five hours. Let me keep moving. For we, for when we place our faith in Jesus, there is no benefit from being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. This is what is important. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
Welcome back to Isaiah and the continuing drama and the continuing story, because right now we are still in the historical section of Isaiah, and we're learning things that happened to people in Isaiah's world. King Hezekiah, when we left off previously in Isaiah, King Hezekiah had been very, very sick, but there was a sign that the sun would go backwards on the dial by 10 steps. Wow. Now we're going to pick up today Isaiah 38 verse 9 with the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. So it's a song that he is going to sing, that he's going to write to the Lord. I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. He kind of thought he was going to die. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring, an, bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning like a lion. He breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O oh Lord, I'm oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O oh Lord, by these things men live. And in all these is the life of my spirit. O oh, restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The Father has made known to the children your faithfulness. He's thanking God for healing him. And in verse 20, the Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments. So apparently Hezekiah liked to make his own music too. We will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, this is what happened before Hezekiah got better. Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs, apply it to the boil that he may recover. So like a plaster that was being put on this infected boil or whatever it was that Hezekiah had. Hezekiah had also said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? So this case of Hezekiah's healing is one of the cases where we see the combination of prayer and medicine. So don't let anybody tell you it's wrong to take medicine. If you have faith, then you just go for prayer and you just go for whatever um, God can do for you. This is a case in the Bible where prayer and medicine worked hand in hand. So yes, take your medicine and yes, pray. Pray to God. What did Hezekiah do? He prayed to God and he sent for the pastor Say, ask, oh, pastor, would you pray for us? Well, the prophet Isaiah in that case. Now, chapter 39. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of 
Babylon sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and recovered, and Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, and he showed them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, the whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Oh, Hezekiah, you've done so well. You have stood against the enemies of the Lord and Assyria. You won the battle against Assyria. Well, the Lord won it for you. And now Babylon comes and you just say, oh, hello, Babylon. Come on in. Let me show you everything. Oh, wow. No security thinking in that. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, They've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house That which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried off to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they will be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you've spoken is good, for he thought, There will be peace and security in my days. At least, oh my goodness, what a lesson we can learn. Because like Moses, like Hezekiah, people who served God, who did great things so many years of their life, ended up with some kind of pride, ended up with some kind of a, oh, well, let me just do it my way. And they ended up losing. You know, you can walk well, but you need to end well. And we've seen that, of course, over and over in our own lifetime people who have done so well and at the end done some ridiculous thing that you go, where did that come from? And here, Hezekiah made a mistake. After a a life of living for God, he made a mistake, which there would be consequences for. But that is the end of chapter 39. So what do you know about that? You know that in the book of Isaiah, we are nicely divided In the first 39 chapters, we have history. We have the oracles against all the nations. We went on a national tour, nation to nation, around Judah, seeing what God would say to each of those nations. We have poetry. We have songs to the Lord. We have all kinds of different things. We have messianic prophecy. But now we are going to be chapter 40, verse 1. So where are we then in the outline of Isaiah? We are at the, what is kind of the equivalent of the New Testament portion of Isaiah, chapter 40 through 66. We're now going to be talking about redemption. We're going to be talking about New Testament characters, more messianic prophecy, clearer messianic prophecy. And, well, let's get started. It starts off in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Oh, talk about 
a new page has been turned. Now we are into something about redemption, something about God redeeming us and calling us to himself. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Ah, who's that voice? We know who, right? Who's the voice? In the wilderness, crying, prepare the way of the Lord. You know that. Who is that? Of course, it's going to be John the Baptist. Preparing the way for the Lord. And make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Continuous theme in the book of Isaiah. That highway, that way of redemption, that way of holiness, where no unclean will walk there but only the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. The ransomed, those who have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and have accepted the Lord as their Savior, they walk there. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. <laughs> oh, many things will happen because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what do we need to do? We need to pay attention to the word of the Lord. And of course, we have just read some beautiful messianic prophecy. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You knew that these verses were from Isaiah, right? There are more songs that we have just read in this one chapter, <laughs> songs that have been written by famous musicians throughout time, and songs that we sing that are written right here in this chapter. Beautiful words of the Lord. Uh, the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. You know, if you ever want good news, that's the best news you can ever give. Not, hey, you won a million pesos. Hey, you won the lottery. Hey, the best news you can ever give people. Behold your God. What are you supposed to say to the, those who are fearful? Be strong, fear not. Behold your God will come. Here you go. Lift up your voice. Stand up on a high mountain and lift up your voice and say, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. We are looking back at this point to say how similar to David's Psalm 23. And we're looking forward to the book of John chapter 10, the good shepherd. And we're saying, and even the book of Revelation where the shepherd shall lead the sheep. Yes. So prophetic, so messianic, so beautiful, and songs that we sing again. Who has measured the water in the hollows of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Again, I told you that Isaiah had this tendency to just burst into praise sometimes. He just can't contain himself with the praise for this mighty, mighty God. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. So let's contrast these past chapters and chapters going through the nations where people, oh, Assyria, oh, Egypt, oh, what are these nations to God? He is Lord. These nations are as nothing, less than nothing to him. He rules. When his mouth speaks, it is so. You know, we should be in favor with the Lord and walk in his grace. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts its silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Surely, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither, the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Oh, after all these prophecies and the attacking of the enemy nations, and we see how God dealt with it, 185,000 enemies dead overnight. Yeah, God is mighty. To whom will you compare the Lord? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name. 
by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. God, who is not only Lord over earth, but of all the heavens, every star he knows, knows it by name. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You see, for all that God had done for his people, yet there were people among his people who would seek after idols, the the heathen idols of these defeated nations. Yet the people would seek after them. And of course, they had married foreign women who brought in these idols into the people of God. Not good, but they were there. And God was saying, hello, hello. This reminds me of early in the book of Isaiah, the very first chapter. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Now, have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. And yes, we see that, don't we? Especially in these quarantine times, lockdown times, we see youth being faint, being weary. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, people of God, in your household, let everyone in your household wait upon the Lord. Seek his face, call upon him, because in the Lord is our strength. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They, the ones who wait for the Lord, shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, I'm telling you, we are now into this beautiful New Testament portion of Isaiah. The comfort, comfort ye my people, says the Lord. We are into this beautiful time where we are being told, wait on the Lord. Look what God has done for you and will do for you. And those of you who are discouraged by all the circumstances of 2020, wait on the Lord. Seek his face. Seek his name. You will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. For thus says the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you can receive it, and it is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Whoa, now we're into a whole new part of the book of Isaiah. Just as good, but a little different in different ways. And that is, we have to stop our reading there for today. But we will continue tomorrow. Meanwhile, thank you for joining us for our daily devotions. Please do join us again for our online service tonight. God bless you all.